Hey, hey, Lured listeners, welcome back to the Kiss Me Quicks Erotica Podcast. This is your host, Rose Carraway. Big Daddy is out slaying dragons again, so it's just you and me and another Dreamtime episode. Today, our seventh Dreamtime episode, I have three dreams to share with you. Two of them are night terrors, and the third features a mullet. We'll just leave it at that until I get to that dream. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read to you the two night terrors that I had, and then I'll talk to you a little bit about my night terrors. I don't know if you've ever experienced one or if you frequently experience them. Um, I have done minimal research Uh, Like I said, I am just so in tune with my dreams. I just let them happen. And that does include night terrors. So um, let's get to it. Let's get to, well, we're going to go back to um, last year. So 2023, these two dreams that I had were on November 21st, 2023. So not too... Um, not too long ago. All right, here we go. What a night. Here goes. I was in a family who hated one another. The father looked like Dennis Hopper. He was miniaturized and kept in a cage with his pet rat and two parakeets. His two daughters found his old stash of coke and had accidentally broke the brick open. Coke dust had gotten all over them. They began screaming at one another about how the dad was selfish and self-centered, how he was made small by his desire to only do things that made him happy. The two daughters were starting to get high and were scared. They thought maybe their father could help them if they gave him one last chance. Dennis Hopper Dad didn't help them. Instead, when the daughters opened the cage and he returned to his normal height, he began snorting the coke off their arms from the carpet and the walls. The girls couldn't believe it, so they released their father's pet rat and two birds from the cage as well. Their cat, the girls had named her Mother, chased their father's pets all over the house until each one was seriously injured. Now the father was enraged. He ran to each of his bloody, maimed pets and placed them back into the cage. As he closed the little door, his daughters each produced a little fuzzy red bird in the palms of their hands and the two birds set upon their father. He swatted and screamed as the two birds pecked out his eyes. He shrank, squalling about this injustice, but the two daughters cried as one reopened the cage, and the other scooped up their re-miniaturized father and put him back inside. He climbed into the bird's seed bowl, fuming mad. So that was the first night terror that I had. And the terror part of it, it was all very stressful because of this 
miniaturization of the father being in the cage with these three pets, a rat and two parakeets. But the daughters, when they came upon this brick of coke, which was literally like a cement brick, it wasn't wrapped in anything. They just, it was this hard, heavy coke brick. Um, I've never held a coke brick in my life, but (laughs) um, it was them breaking it. And all of this coke dust just saturated the air and coated everything. And it was so stressful to me as this onlooker of, oh my God, don't breathe. Don't inhale this toxic drug. But they did. And then in doing so, they thought maybe their father would help them because this was his brick of coke. And so they released him. And it went from this stress to this hopefulness that I felt for them. And then finally, in this resignation of, oh, no, he's not going to help. He's still going to remain this self-centered being, their father. And then this mother cat who attacked the pets. Um, I, I don't know what what that meant or what that was for. It was just very stressful, this chase um, that happened uh, all around the house. And then I found it interesting and like maybe a little bit hopeful and, and protective um, that these two girls opened. And and by the way, these two girls were very young, like maybe 11, 12, maybe, um, which is interesting. Um, And they opened their palms. And these two small fuzzy red birds, kind of like cardinals, but more like sparrows, I think, if I remember right, um, flew from their palms kind of like magically. And then pecked out their father's eyes so that he could no longer see them, so that he could no longer identify or get to identify them as his precious daughters. And then they just retrapped him. And that he looked like Dennis Hopper, I, I don't know why. <laughs> you know, I've seen many movies with him, you know, Speed and um what is that Kevin Costner movie, Waterworld? <laughs> and of course, a bunch of older movies, but um, he's a great villain. Um, and maybe that's why he fits so well as a villain in this dream. But what made this a night terror, terror was I couldn't wake up. And I knew that I was dreaming. And I was heavily stressing when those birds were pecking out his eyes. I felt the stress from the daughters, like the horror of them sort of choosing to let that violence happen upon a loved one was very, very stressful. Uh, And I couldn't wake up from that until he got back into that cage. And then he was just fuming, angry, biting his tongue, um, much like what my own father used to do, like when he would get mad, he would his his tongue would come out of his mouth and he would bite it, just mm, just biting it in anger. Um, that that kind of creeped in there a little bit. Um, so there you go. That was <laughs> that was um, a small 
night terror. But this one, it was like a building up. This was leading to this second dream that happened on November 21st. And this one was much more visceral. Um, and we'll, we'll get to that right, right now. Um, so here we go. Again, there were two girls, not quite adult, maybe early high school age. I was one of them. The rest of the family, a mother, father, brother, and sister, were closer to one another and excluded the two girls from much of their activities. The girls were in their room discussing homework when the rest of the family barged in. They each carried a weapon, a knife, gun, arrow, and a hatchet. The girls stood up, huddled and hugging each other, frightened. We knew what was going to happen. Our bodies were plump where the rest of the family members were emaciated and their skin pruning. The son and other daughter decided they wanted different weapons and both ran off to fetch their preferred choices. The mother and father announced that it was dinner time and that it was the duty of the two plump daughters to nourish the rest of the family. We had no escape but tried to fight our family off. Our brother and sister returned with a hairspray bottle and lighter. Our sister had the can, and she sprayed my sister while my brother sparked the lighter. Flames rushed over first my sister's face, and then mine. We screamed, blocked our faces with our arms, and my parents smiled, saying, Mmm, I love a good scald on my wings, don't you? Caught up in discussing how to further cook me and my sister, the family didn't see us sneak out of the room. They heard the front door, though, and started chasing us like a crazed mob. My sister and I could feel our crispied skin cracking and bleeding down our faces and the backs of our forearms. When we tried to hug one another, it was too painful. We came upon a mud-road town full of pirates. They ambled along the sloppy roads, drunk and singing, but my sister and I noticed their seemingly passive but curious glances. We found a restaurant and ran into its restroom. Our family knew where we'd gone and followed us in. There were several stalls, but we chose the one closest to the door and forgot to stand on the toilet so our feet wouldn't be seen. Our parents kicked open the stall, raising their knife and hatchet, while our sister and brother found a way to climb up the stall above us, wielding their hairspray and lighter once more. Again, we were sprayed by flame, but this time she and I were so blackened we felt as though we were dead. We couldn't move. Our emaciated family salivated now, as though rabid, as they dragged us out of the stall and onto the muddy street outside. Pirates slowly came to watch what was happening as our mother and father began to carve the cooked meat from our bones. 
We lay there, reaching for one another. We couldn't feel the hatchet or knife as their very sharp blades cut into us. They stacked our meat onto platters and then left us there in the mud. The pirates gathered closer. They'd sobered and pulled their hats from their heads and pressed them against their chests in sorrow. The pirate captain pushed his way towards us, and he knelt down in the mud. He offered his hands to my sister and me, and we took them. We got to our feet, finding our new balance. Without much meat on us, we were mostly bones from our necks down. We followed the captain to his ship, anchored in the deepest mud in town. The pirates climbed aboard and set to their tasks of making sail. The captain beckoned us to follow. He called us Scallywag Sisters, and we were to be his new ambassadors around his ship of rogues. We pulled ourselves up the rope and boarded ship. So that's all I remember of that night terror. And what made this so terrible was the pursuit of our family, the viciousness in which they attacked us, the the weapons that they carried were so sharp. And we tried to pull away from those weapons, and yet they came down upon us. We could not escape. We ran and when we got to this bathroom stall, it was like we knew the choice was the worst choice. We chose the first stall rather than any of the other ones, and that they knew where we were. They, we could not escape them, and we felt trapped in this stall, both from below and from above, and we couldn't get away from the knives, the blades, and the fire and the burning of that fire, it, I felt it. I felt the sizzling, the crisping. Um, you know, we got brought out into this mud, which was kind of like quagmire-like, suctioned us down. We could not move. And that's part of the night terror. You feel like, at least for me, when I'm experiencing, experiencing them, I feel stuck like to um like uh, one of those pest pads that like traps rats like it's a sticky pad that you just can't escape you can't pull yourself out of it um I've had many night terrors and um you know not too many as an adult and I know my surroundings I'm aware that I'm dreaming and so when these dreams are, you know, at the highest part of the stress. Um, I, I know that my husband is right next to me and I tell myself, reach for him, scream for him. And I try and I try, but I can't do it. I am immobile, even though I know he's right there. And I can just, if I just move my arm and touch him or shake him and say, Dave, help me wake up, but I can't. I can't scream. I feel like I'm stretching my mouth so wide to say my husband's name, Dave, and then help me wake up. I scream and it's, there's no volume. It's just a silent 
scream and I'm sweating or I'm I'm shaking or I, I'm immobile and I feel so very stuck in place. Um, it's a horrible um, thing, even though the dreams, you know, yeah, it's horrible. And I know that it isn't real. I know that this is not happening. It still feels very much like it is. Uh, and as a kid, I would have night terrors, uh, particular ones would repeat themselves. Um, and I can remember, you know, and I told, I've told my husband about this before. Um, uh, one of them is I'm, you know, about that same age, like that 9, 10, 11, 12 age. And I remember one of them is I walk into my parents' garage and I am met with someone with a machine gun and they just shoot out my guts and I'm struggling to hold them in. And it's about that holding them in, much like a lot of people, including myself, who have had dreams of their teeth falling out or like you're drowning. Um, mine was my guts get shot out and I'm trying to hold them in and trying to escape this maniacal person with this gun. And I jump into a garbage can and I pull the lid down and I just am in there thinking they won't hear me. Be quiet. They won't hear me. Hold my guts in. It hurts. I feel massive pain. Um, and they find me. They always find me. Another repetitive one um, one that probably my husband would be like, oh, yeah, I remember you talking about that one more so is um, I'm at my parents' house and the clock, it's a grandfather clock that's just kind of floating around in the sky. Um, it's about to chime midnight and I have to use this particular shovel and I have to smash the heads of zombies down that poke up in the lawn. And I have to continuously do this until the the grandfather clock strikes 12.01 a.m. It's midnight to 12.01. For a full minute, I have to bash these heads back into the ground. And sometimes my shovel will bend uh, like it's a movie prop, like it's, you know, rubbery or something. And so I have to very precisely hit these zombie heads um, just so, so that the shovel stays rigid. Uh, and that's a very stressful endeavor. Um, it's like a game of gopher with zombie heads, and they're just popping up. <laughs> and that one was always a very stressful one that, that repeated um, several times. Another one is of a werewolf that's chasing me through my home. It starts out with me in my bed and this old lady in the corner of my room in a rocking chair. She's, I believe she's crocheting and she's cackling in this most god-awful way. <laughs> and she's saying, it's going to get you or he's going to get you. And I'm terrified. And I get up from my bed and I run into my living room and I hide behind my couch. 
and I can hear this werewolf snuffling and huffing and breathing and salivating in its teeth. I I know that it wants to devour me. And I just, I always hid behind the couch. And it would always find me in an explosive way of raking the couch away from me and coming for me. Um, And that's when I would wake up. And um, so yeah, high anxiety, high stress, those were my repetitive night terrors. Um, so yeah, have you ever had a night terror? Boy, they are something else. For me, I'm sweating, uh, which sucks because, you know, you're in your bed and you have to get up and go lay a towel down. You don't want to wake up your partner <laughs> and you lay it down and you got to, you know, wash all your bedding. It's just the worst that cold sweat. Like, I don't know if you've ever experienced a cold sweat. It's like a fever. It's like when you're, you're, your body is fighting a fever and it's, it's you know, you're cutting these sweats. Um, it's just icky. It's yucky. And when I finally do wake up and I'm feeling just that unsettledness, you know, sometimes I'll be shaking. Um, very often, it was hard to go back to sleep because I would close my eyes and immediately it would return. That night terror is right there. I would just pick it right back up. And so I would have to um, train myself to go, no, I'm quitting you, you night terror. And I'm going to purposefully have a pleasant dream. And so I would close my eyes and I would envision beautiful things, sweet things, things that I really actually wanted. Um, and and it would work. I, I trained myself to switch gears. Um, so there you go. There's, <laughs> there's my experience with um, with night terrors. Gosh. You know, boy, it it really sucks to have that tight chest, that straining throat that no voice can come from, and you're just frozen in fear, and it's hard. It's hard to to go back to sleep. Um, You know, it's hard for like a kid, especially if they're very young, um, to, you know, they'll think there is what a monster in their closet or under their bed you know, and before I get to this last dream, there are a few movies that were very affecting for me as a kid. Um, And immediately I can think of them. They were, uh, it came out, I want to say it was like early 80s. And it's called Dreamscape with Dennis Quaid, magical movie. I pictured myself as having that same sort of superpower where I could go into sleep mode and rescue little kids who were suffering from night terrors. A fantastic movie. Uh, Dennis Quaid's shorts, <laughs> incredible. Um, and, and I think that might have been like my first Dennis Quaid movie. I really enjoyed him in movies. Uh, another dream is, or another movie that I enjoyed because it was beautiful and it was, you know, another saving kids type of thing. And finding serial killer or 
terrible murderers. Uh, Jennifer Lopez was in a movie called The Cell. Um, gorgeous costumes, beautiful effects, um, an interesting, interesting movie. Uh, another movie, this isn't really of dreams, but it was forced comas that were happening. And the movie is called Coma. And I think that this was like a, oof, it might have been like late 70s. And it's with, I forget the leading woman's name, but it's got Michael Douglas, Tom Selleck, and I think Ed Harris is in it. Fantastic movie about organ harvesting uh, and putting patients into forced comas. So that was a thriller. That one was fun. Um, And then there's obviously Nightmare on Elm Street. I mean, Freddy Krueger. That, he scared the shit out of me. (laughs) So, yeah. He made me scared to go to sleep, (laughs) but maybe he also helped me train myself (laughs) to not fret too much over night terrors uh, because I knew that they were fake. And uh, yeah, (laughs) dreams are amazing, right? (laughs) Okay, so that's let's quit the night terrors. Let's let's transition. This next dream that I had was not very long. It was not um, very visceral like these other two dreams. Not a lot of action. In fact, barely any action. It was just a moment. I call it, um, a, it's, it's like a, a blip of a dream, a flash, a moment in time captured. Um, and I have titled it, I titled it immediately as I was logging it down in my journal. I called it, He Rocks. And I had this dream, gosh, (laughs) let me go to it. It was, um, uh, funny, November 19th, 2014. Here we go. He rocks. It would be astounding to be attacked by five cats, he said. So simply put, yet worthy of a moment to contemplate much like him. Nobody paid him much mind, but, you know, sometimes he made you fucking think, you know? His earring glinted in the sun. His mullet shone like golden wheat. Cigarette smoke made him tubular. He was the kind of guy that rocked his shit full time, and I loved him for it. Then he said, She had the kind of tits that sit, man. Like, they're resting up there. You know what I mean? Not really hanging out, but like, they see you coming and say, Hey, man, we're here for you. Just you. Yeah, her tits are that kind that sit on the porch. Fuck, I love tits like that. That was the dream. (laughs) He rocks. That was it. It was just me as like this bro with my best bud who had a mullet. (laughs) And he's just talking to me about what it would be like to have cats attack you. That it would be astounding. And I'm agreeing with him like, yeah, man, five cats attacking you would fucking suck. And then just right to tits, tits on a porch. I talked to Big Daddy about this once and And he totally got it. Like, they're tits that are, like, 
way perky. They're huge. And they're just out there. They're like a shelf. Um, and that's what he liked. That's what he wanted. <laughs> I just thought it was amusing. Um, so, yeah. So that was a quick flash of scenery and dialogue. And it's that kind of dream um, that really helped me build out a character. Like I can develop their personalities or their drives, you know. And in this one, I'm like his buddy, admiring and, and sort of in awe of this super cool dude with a mullet and his diamond earring and he smokes, you know, like that cool kind of guy um, who likes tits that are inviting. Uh, so, you know, I love that kind of thing. It's it's fodder for story writing. Um, it really it really can help fill something in. Like you've got this side character. What are you going to do with him? I'm going to make him a guy with a mullet. You know, I watched all kinds of 80s movies and sometimes they're the main character and they're the hero, but sometimes <laughs> they're this this kind of slightly off kind of guy and you love them for that. They just they have these sort of sporadic thoughts that you would never consider and <laughs> they just spout them out <laughs> like they have no filter. It just comes out and I just to me it's golden. I love it. I have so much fun with that. Um, and I would encourage you, like, even if you have this flash, write it down because you will come to a moment if you're writing a story and you need something like just that little edge, that little bit of flesh on the bone that you need for your character. And it's just it fits so perfectly uh and it's fun to hear like I I made myself I came across this and I I freaking cackled <laughs> I was like oh my god I remember that guy and it was all moment in time where I'm just talking to this dude and we're just chilling nothing is happening but he just drops these out of nowhere bombs <laughs> they're just it's like candy it's like dream candy for me <laughs> Uh, okay, well, that's all I've got for you today. I hope you have a great work week. Um, I hope you're tuning in to your dream time. You know, if you have night terrors, maybe you're stressing. Maybe you've got some anxiety. I know I carry anxiety with me. Um, and and it, it'll come out. Um, so just... Try to train yourself. If you can't close your eyes um, and go back to sleep, see if you can train yourself. You know, get up, take a little tour, you know, a lap around the house if you have to, to sort of change modes, have a sip of water, and then try to go back to sleep. Or, or just replay it if you want, you know, in a um, sort of detached way and just look at it and go, wow, that was, that was something. That was weird. Huh. You know, I, I, I don't know um, what cannibalism's got to do with it, but that's what came in 
to my dream, you know, I'm sure therapists out there can analyze the shit out of that. Oh, great. Go for it. <laughs> uh, I'm just, I am all over the place with my dreams. So, um, and night terrors are, uh, they're few and far between, but they're, they're a part of it. And I, in a way, treasure that part of myself. Um, cause it's still, it's still me. And, uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Two night terrors and a mullet. <laughs> All right, you guys. Hey, support the show. Go to Amazon and buy one of my audiobooks. Leave me a review. Uh, reach out to me on Twitter at the KMQ. Tell me what you loved about it. If you've got a dream that you're just dying to share with me, email me. The kicks me the kiss me quicks at gmail.com. Maybe I'll read it on the show. I don't know if it's good. Um, if it's short and sweet, I don't know. It can't be too long. Um, I'd love to chat with you about dreams and erotic dreams, obviously. All right, you guys, that's all I've got for you for this dream time here at the KMQ. Love you guys. See you soon. Stupid fish.